What, which, this, that, or the other? From Bonnaroo to Coachella, traversing the music festival landscape can be tricky. That's where we come in with high fives for everyone. The What Podcast with Brad, Barry, Lord Taco, dedicated to exploring the entire festival scene. Brad has worked in the radio industry for more than 20 years and currently lives in Brooklyn, where he is program director for three stations, including one in New York, one in Detroit, and one in Miami. Barry's been a reporter for the Chattanooga Times Free Press, covering all aspects of the entertainment industry since 1987. That's before you were born. Lord Taco, the smart guy who makes these podcasts on our website at thewhatpodcast.com work. Also really good at identifying babies, loves blue-haired moms, PBR, and his beautiful Volkswagen bus. We all fell in love with the Bonnaroo Festival years ago, not only because of the amazing bands that play there every year, but also because of the incredible community spirit that has developed around it. Radiate positivity. And we really like talking about the inside baseball stuff when it comes to putting on a huge music festival. So join us. You can hear the What Podcast on the Consequence Podcast Network or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Hey pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R.fm. Back to the show. The kids on Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? Halloween's a Freddy Krueger podcast. Was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. From the Consequence Podcast Network, the minds behind the Losers Club comes a new podcast in fantasy terror. Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Halloweenies, a Freddy Krueger podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. To all of you beautiful pod people out there, I'm your host once again, Leo Phillips. That's my name. And this is This Must Be The Gig. That's the name of the podcast. It's your little backstage pass to the world of live music. Each and every single week, I bring you a fascinating conversation from the beating heart of the live music and performance scene. And that could really mean chatting to a musician, picking the brains of a festival founder, sounds terrible, Uh, talking to a choreographer, a comedian, an actor, really anybody who is just as obsessed with performance the way that we are. But before we dig into this week's fantastic interview, which I am so excited by, let's check in with our constant companion here at TMBTG Studios, Engineer Adam. Hello! Hey! What's going on in Engineer Adam's world? (laughs) It is a world. It's a whole beautiful, dazzling world. (laughs) A place Uh, where... Dreams come true. Well... I know last week we talked about how there was a new iPod and how mm-hmm. excited I was. Mm-hmm. And then this week they go and kill off iTunes. I mean, they just, 
They yankin, baby, they yankin. In the words of Scott Ackerman, iPod, iTunes, I don't know anymore. <laughs> I'm just ripping off jokes, that's all. But even though iTunes may be dead, you can still find us on Apple we Podcasts. We on Is that what you were going to say? Well, I was going to say Apple iTunes... Podcasts will still exist, so yeah. you can still find us there. Although iTunes aren't dead, we are inside oh you. Oh my gosh. We are inside you, dead. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. I'm like a human Ouija board right now. Oh, my God. But in addition to finding us on Apple Podcasts, you can also find <laughs> us on all of the social medias at TMBTGPod or at Lior Phillips. I can't keep it in anymore. We are rebranding. Hey, so look out for all of that biz soon. That's going to be soon. Don't know yet, but it's soon. In the meantime, you could still leave us a note both at our show pages and at Lior's pages all over social media. What about your pages? Sure, leave Adam me a note. Has, I just want to tell everybody that Adam has just posted for the first time on Instagram since 2016. May we have a round of applause? Thank you. Wait, Thank I'm you. Well, how does a ghost No, that, that was the world's smallest applause. I appreciate no, it. I was being a ghost because I'm dead oh, inside. Wow, you're really tying it all together. Uh, I mean, I'm trying here, you know. But... Also, it would really be a big help, and you have to do it. If you're listening to this, you have to do this. It's a rule. It's a law. Don't break the law. You have to do this. We don't make the rules. No. Just follow the, them. The government did. Which government? <laughs> I don't know. Podcast jail for you if you don't leave do us a five-star review. podcast revenue is now into, like, the millions? Not I ours. I to tell you <laughs> <laughs> not ours i read an amazing article today about how podcast revenue is, is just growing and then i was listening to wtf and david letterman was on who if you know me i love david letterman and uh, he was like mark i've never listened to a podcast before so so don't be like david letterman no be like david letterman in terms of his aesthetic his no i don't take no shit attitude and jangly beard but don't be like him in terms of not listening to podcasts so listen to our podcast i mean they're listening continue, already they're continue. in continue leave us a five-star review on well, apple actually, podcast i have a point the yes. only way that they can continue so they're listening to this but the only way they can continue is if they listen to leave a review because other people will have to find us yes so basically leave a breadcrumb and people will eat us yes we're, again, we're ghosts that are being eaten. This is the most God. important thing to take away from this. No, but seriously, <sighs> don't go to podcast jail. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Share us on Spotify, on Stitcher. Wherever you listen to your podcasts, other people need to hear us. So go out and do it now. And we will give you a shout-out on the air. Every week we do this. So this week's shout-out goes to Eddie Lothar. Hope Ooh. I'm pronouncing that right. Mm -hmm. who left this wonderful note on Apple Podcasts. Oh, I haven't read this one. This is a great long-form interview podcast exclusively with musicians and singer-songwriters. Well, maybe. We'll see. We've got some, <laughs> some tricks up our sleeves. No, but Eddie's got a point. There aren't enough podcasts out there like this, Eddie continues, so I'm glad I just discovered it. Lior Phillips is a great host interviewer, too. Oh, bless. Thanks for that. Bless your heart and my imposter syndrome. Thanks for those wonderful words, Thank Eddie. You, Eddie. Thank you. You're great. So let's get to one of those long form interviews, shall we? Yes, we shall. 
This week, our guest is Megan Remy, the experimental pop mastermind, better known as US Girls. Yes, that pause was intended so that you can have a little heart flutter Let it like sink I in. did. I caught up with the Illinois-born, Toronto-based singer-songwriter, producer, everything before her Moogfest set a few weeks ago. And I am absolutely still on the regularly returning to her 2018 record in a poem unlimited i just cherish those prisms of idiosyncratic songwriting megan is just as beguiling in person she shifts to fascinating new threads of conversation that perfectly fits her really beautiful soft-spoken brilliance and there's just something so soothing about her voice that i think you all will share the uh excitement over and revel in that it's a perfect counterpoint to the taut and coiled intensity of her record and uh, yet rather than being lulled she draws you in for a really wonderful complex conversation where we chat about growing growing your own vegetables our own vegetables (laughs) i love that part too you also talk about her going to see billy joel as a child and having his shoes spoil it now I mean, it was at the Rosemont Horizon, a venue I'm very That's familiar true. with. I think the best part of this whole conversation is how throughout you were just saying, oh, I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> so if you are from Chicago, born and bred, reach out and let us know because you'll probably feel very at home in this podcast. You also talk about her moving to Canada, about her ideal touring schedule. It's just really a, a sort of lifestyle conversation about what it's like to be a touring musician today. But let us not be delayed. This is me and Megan. Enjoy! See you next week. in an ideal world that you would be able to tour for a certain portion of the year and then have it done with? I feel like ideally it would be that it was up to when I wanted to perform. (laughs) (laughs) Not to some like, you have to do this amount of time in a year. So either get it all done at once or spread it out over the year. Like Mm. maybe I want to play 100 shows. Maybe I want to play 200 shows. Maybe I want to play four shows. It will be up to me and like my body of work and what's mm. I want to do. Yeah, as opposed to just like here as a tour, you have to yeah, do it Yeah, the now. cycle and the equation of capitalism mm. that seems to, yeah. Tell me a little bit about your show because I know we chatted about it off mic, but mm-hmm. it would be great to hear how it actually went. I think that it was a great show. It's the kind of show that sometimes you have to play where you show up and then you don't get a sound check, which seems to be most festival shows. Really? You have no sound check? Well, we could have had a sound check if we wanted to show up at 12 a.m., but that would have meant we would, or 12 p.m., but that meant we meant we had to leave Atlanta Mm -hmm. at 5 a.m. or something. (laughs) And we didn't get home to go to bed till 1 a.m. or something. So you're like, we need sleep yeah. because if you don't sleep, you can't play well. And yeah. if you don't sleep, you can't drive and you can't function. So yeah. you choose sleep over a sound check, which means then you roll into a situation where you're trying to present your work that you want to present mm-hmm. and the, the infrastructure 
that's supposed to be helping support mm. the work and you presenting the work is mm. often good intentioned but yeah. scattered and yeah. like but then it's fine because you're yeah. still being able you're given a platform to present your work and that's a privilege <laughs> so yeah. you're like oh, you get upset and frustrated yeah, yeah but you get upset and frustrated for a minute and then you mm. try to gain perspective and then just go forth and so yeah. we did that and we had a nice show with nice people there and just you forego even a line check we didn't we just don't line we didn't line check anything wow so. what are the biggest challenges you find especially with this makeup and having so many uh, bodies on stage with you what is the biggest challenge other than space like space is the challenge yeah because the clubs that we're playing often are small like mm. this evening so small stage size and uh like at the max on on average the max is a four mix thing so the guitarists play without a monitor and yeah only a couple people get monitors so which is like just like practicing in your jam space so yeah. it's you're already used to it but that's hard too because within a body of work you have players who are also trying to present their work which is their playing yes so then say like tonight our saxophonist can't hear himself that's very frustrating for him as a performer when it's like his job job. and what he wants to do is to play the saxophone and that's what he's devoted his whole life to and then what matters often at festivals Mm. is just it what matters happens before the festival even happens so it's the tickets are sold and then the music and everything else is secondary and oftentimes they do a good job mm. of programming good things mm. good music festivals will have interesting artists mm. do installations or talks like you did and things like this yeah. but it's not easy i suppose no, as you're a model. the side you're just like the well, i don't even know what the right word is for what we are within the festival machine you know I love that you said that it's a secondary thing because I think Mm -hmm. that not a lot of artists would like admit that. Oh yeah, it's embarrassing because I was admitting that I'm complicit. But I don't think it's that. I think that depending on what the point of the festival is, like what I find quite interesting is lately there's a lot of festivals that are doing this like 360 idea. So there's podcasts, there's movies, there's talks, there's they almost catering to this or pandering to an audience that needs a lot now. Whereas before you go to a festival and it's just bands on the bowl. Just go see music and then that's it. But I think it's a that I I understand what you're saying, but I do think that more who's to blame is the corporation mm. and that equation, not the audience. Mm. They're they're casting out a big net because mm. they're saying, we see what's popular right now, mm. and if we cast out a big net, we're mm. going to catch enough fish mm. to make it worth running this boat out yeah. in the middle of the ocean, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? And yeah. so it's just... It's not, the audience doesn't want to have their brain split like mm. podcast, yeah, <laughs> like movie. <laughs> they don't want that, yeah. But whatever, everyone's been sold something, mm. so everyone has a line that like this corporate. I don't mm. know, you know. I wish there was a better word than know, corporation, corporation, but I it's know. kind of like it's like norm, this norm. overall power thing, yeah. this power claw that hangs over yeah. us, whatever it is. 
And then if you're looking at your past, how hard is that to look at your past and go, oh, well, look at me now. I'm so much better. That is so dangerous. Well, yeah, and yeah. because everyone... But it's human nature. Sure. And it, it's human nature to not acknowledge or to, to know but not acknowledge mm. in all of our behaviors that we're going to die, you know? Right. So Enough. to make a big deal out of a, any sort of step of success or evolutionary stage, yeah. it's like that that first step of evolution mm. died, Yeah, and as and will we. <laughs> so yeah. there's a kind of a flattening of all mm. time and all things and mm. all stuff that for me is helpful but also is creates like i said that psychic kind of reality rub where it allows me to do maybe these things that i know are totally foolish because it's like why not yeah it's (laughs) true it's like do you think making art is foolish no no not at all i think it's pretty sane thing to do i think it's like a healthy thing that a lot of people yeah. do and some people do it for a very short periods of their mm-hmm. life sometime their whole life mm-hmm. um if you're a dabbler or you're like an expert it doesn't matter like mm-hmm. it's a foolish thing that's healthy i think but i think that you should always know that it's foolish yeah. never lose Take sight of that seriously. foolish thing but yeah. i love that because there's mm-hmm. so much work that i feel like i just with my uh, i can't call her a therapist but my coach yeah she's yeah she's more like a facilitator for sure and she does like bwrt i don't know if you've heard no. of BWRT. so it's like brain reworking therapy oh i it well is. i know about it but under a different name because yeah. i've done cognitive behavioral yeah. therapy and right now yes. i do somatic yes. therapy. Yeah. so it's similar to that mm-hmm. and it's mind-blowing how the concept of like you can literally encase your body in that idea of fun or fear of course yeah. and when you have something really challenging like a performance that you're really yeah. nervous about if there's like you know someone's going to be there and you really want to make sure that it's great or you know for yourself that it means a lot for you mm-hmm. and having that frivolous attitude because yeah. I feel like sometimes we get so caught up in taking things too seriously which yeah. I feel like the beautiful balance which I don't know where you are at but as I am only relating from my point of view is that yeah. I'm trying to see big moments and challenging experiences as fun but yeah. I can, you can still be professional. You can still be serious. <laughs> sure, you sure. can still like do your job very well. But yeah. to enjoy it, that enjoyment has kind of left a lot of people's lives lately, yeah. whether that's political or what have you, or personal. So yeah. I don't even know if it's lately left. Yeah. Like, I think it's always been gone. I don't know. That's a whole... <laughs> yeah it's strange it's very it's very interesting but so let's go far. back to let's go back to where you mentioned that you grew up in where did you grow up in did you say i grew up in illinois illinois yeah in Ju- juliet juliet and then you moved wh- what when did you move to toronto not till the end of 2010 okay mm-hmm. why what made you want to go because um, I met someone and like fell in love with them and wanted to be with them all the time and see them and stuff so <laughs> I yes, had been I get that. and I and yeah that was the main reason for sure mm-hmm. and I think like a subconscious knowing that like I needed to get out of living in America mm-hmm. and that I was lucky to be able to get out absolutely so yeah I lived for a while in Canada like two years in a bit mm. 
I'm not sure how long, but where I would I couldn't be there longer than six months, and you just like go back and forth and do yes. that whole dance. Yeah, the visa. If you're lucky enough thing. to get to do, you know, <laughs> yeah. because a lot of people are just denied. Yeah. The entry to the place they want to go. Absolutely. So, any of my immigration uh, woes have been non. I mean, yeah. Really non-existent. They've mm. been. If I'm being honest, like hurdles I had to pay through. You know yeah. what I mean? And I can admit that I'm lucky enough for that. And mm-hmm. like, but at the same time, I can acknowledge just how absurd it is. Yeah. You know? How arbitrary and like how countries are, the whole thing is, relates back to that death thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's like why you want to put boundaries on things is try to have some sort of control over mm-hmm. something where there is no control. But, mm-hmm. um, Canada, yeah, it really changed everything for me. So, yeah. But it's not even Canada. Like, Canada, the, the thing that it is, I don't respect. Mm. Uh, but I respect the people that live there. And right, like, you know, yeah. Same as with America, you know. Yeah. So tell me, what was your first... Do you remember your the concert that you went to? The first ever concert? I do. What was that? It was Billy Joel. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. That's amazing. The, I love Billy Joel. <laughs> yeah. Was it the Rosemont Horizon, mm-hmm. which is like north of Chicago? It's called something else now, you know, as these arenas all change. They yeah. get bought Depending out. Depending on the sponsorship. It <laughs> changed, but it was Rosemont. I think the town is Rosemont. I'm not mm-hmm. sure, though, but it's north of the city. I think maybe it takes 94. Or I don't know what highway you take, but yeah, ninety. Uh, I that sounds might be ninety-four <laughs> way north, but yeah. Um, my parents were there, and I'm pretty positive both my brothers were there, and I remember that I had a like kind of nylon windbreaker on that yeah. had an apple applique on it, <laughs> and someone spilled a beer on me that was oh, like no. sitting behind us, and Billy Joel's shoe got untied on stage and Christy Brinkley came up and tied it. What? It was like the whole concert stopped for her to come to tie, come his, tie shoe. his shoe. Why could he not tie his own shoe? I mean, because he's a child. Oh my. <laughs> he's a baby. Billy <laughs> Joel, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Oh I think they, they must have done it every night. It had to like a part. little thing. It had okay. to be a part of it because everyone wanted to see her because she was in Uptown Girl or whatever. The, yeah. I think Uptown Girl. So, so she came in and had to be, um, yeah, the, the <laughs> on the floor tying his shoe <laughs> like yeah. a yeah. like a servant. I remember it like a light <laughs> like came on her. Like <laughs> my vi- my memory can't really be trusted around that, but okay. I do think it was that. I think I was four years old. And then, do you remember the time that it all? Because I, I hate asking the question, like, your first moment that that memory of music kind of burst. But I'm kind of more interested in when the time that you figured out that it was absolutely what you wanted to do, you know, that was an extension of you. Was that yeah. when you were younger? I was younger. For I always loved music. It was always important to me. I never had music lessons, but I mm. danced in my room and sang in front of the mirror and watched a lot of music videos. Oh, you did? Yeah, endless. I watched MTV from 3 p.m. <laughs> till too. I went to bed every me night. Too. Even all the like the reruns as well. There was like and all the shows they started. That was the beginning of reality TV, and that yeah. was my youth. Like, Me too. and the reality TV of news, where mm. I was like, 
I didn't even like Nirvana. I didn't. I like Boyz II Men. And like when I, Kurt Cobain died, still it was like Kurt. This Kurt guy Cobain. died. Like it's just like when mm. Jimi Hendrix died, or like you could relate it to this kind of yeah history, cultural history that it really mm. was so documented with photo, audio, video, film. Like yeah, it was really the first kind of we we really live in the the. I don't know how long it will last, but the beginning of a kind of encyclopedia yeah. um, and documented culture in this way that's the, 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 it's realism documented so yeah. real as real as visuals can get but did on you kind of like what you because I just remember what like MTV came to South Africa and like it was everything for me it was I would literally like yeah. run drop my bag like throw my suitcase <laughs> run upstairs turn the TV on faster than the TV could actually go on yeah, yeah. and then my main video that I always remember was the no doubt video the don't speak video oh my that God, was, it was like, huge it was huge that was non-stop that was yeah. maybe a year or two after that was 97 so that was a year or two after i think it all started mm-hmm. but is there a video that you remember just like that one that really stuck out for you well i remember so many videos but the one that comes to mind mostly was remember the time by michael jackson because my mom let me stay home from school <laughs> because it was premiering and oh, and because gosh. i lived on central time it was premiering on eastern time and there was a call-in thing where you could try to win and my mom let me stay in for the whole day even though it was like an hour at the i could have missed a half day or (laughs) something to try and just call a busy number for like hours because it was like pepsi or i don't know who was it might have just been mtv sponsoring but you could win um tickets to go see michael or something and that was the first time i ever saw iman and that was before I knew who David Bowie was, for yeah. sure. But it was like, him on. <laughs> and Eddie Murphy was in the video. Yeah. And like... That's such a... It was yeah. a good song. I liked that song. And mm-hmm. it seemed... I think it... You know, but... Which now is we, very yeah. difficult to say, you know. I know. As a, but, he was my... Well, like my first concert. It's very hard to say. Yeah. It's very yeah. difficult to admit yeah. it. Yeah. But do you... Going back to the time where you were watching the videos... And dancing and singing, did you ever envision yourself as that or was it just an outlet for you at the no. time? The only way I envisioned myself was like doing it in front of my school. Yeah. You know, and I was like, I'm gonna like do this talent show in front of my school or I'm gonna like <laughs> yes. have a choreography and then everyone mm. at school's gonna like me. But that's the same as wanting like whatever to pursue yeah. some sort of public thing if yeah. you want your school to like you, you know, so but I did a lot of calling. I like I called into radio stations a lot. Why? What was that? To was sing this? on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> and did you? Lots. One hundred four point three oldies. F, like oldies. One hundred four point three was yes. a station in Chicago, FM station, and I called in a lot. Yeah. Do you remember After school. Were Beach you Boys always. <laughs> Beach Boys. What Be you true to your school, Barbara Ann. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, to yeah, like yeah. picture a mini you calling yeah, in and yeah. so excited and yeah. just singing your heart out. Yeah. That, that takes so much, like singing to an invisible audience <laughs> as opposed to like an audience in front of you. I think it's so much harder yeah. to do that. It's like the stu- it's like studio work versus performing. But it was anon- totally anonymous. Yeah, okay. Know? So nobody, you weren't like 
Hello, it's me. <laughs> no, you just they would ask your name and you'd say, but they knew you were a kid. So yeah. They would, like always put you on if you're a kid. Like without a doubt. Like if you're a kid call kids should always call the yeah. radio station. <laughs> They'll put you on. Yeah. Especially if it's an oldie station. You yeah, know, like they're gonna eat that up, of yeah, course. Yeah. So then do you remember the first time you performed? Do you remember that first concert? The uh, first concert yeah. I ever performed? I wasn't man well I performed in weird things before I ever played like I played Sandy in Greece but in a fashion show (laughs) so it was like a fashion cool she's (laughs) stylish it was like a fashion show for local boutiques or something to put stuff on the runway but then they had little entertainment in between the clothes stuff and I lip synced to whatever the fun you're the one that I want yeah and this guy played Danny Zuko obviously and we lip synced to the song and so that was my first kind of musical performance first time I played a show was oh god I don't even know Mm, I I, I can't say what my first show was Mm. I know I played a VF like a you know a VFW hall? No. It's like a veterans hall. Okay, That you can right. rent out. Okay. Like, I played some of those kinds of things maybe when I was 14. I was in like some bands in high school, first year high school. I wish I could remember what my first show was because I know I did open mic night things mm. too where you would just go yeah. make a fool of yourself or whatever, but I don't know what my first real show was because yeah. I think I was just always putting <laughs> shows. Yeah. Do you feel like when was the time then that you decided to write your own music? When was the, when did that shift happen? Because performing versus I, creating yeah. is very different. I think know? I was like I think I was thirteen years old, maybe when I really started writing songs. Until yeah, through early high school, and I would say during that time, most songs no one ever like would see or hear or anything like that right but I did make tapes mm. in high school my band had tapes and CDs and things like that but I do know I wrote songs as a very young child just mm. like s- singing them to yeah. yourself because you would hear a song on the radio and then you would just be so moved by it yes. that you wanted to make something yeah. like it so then you just like sing words that you write that are the same melody but just slightly mm. off or something yeah yeah was there a performer, though, that you looked to that maybe you had seen or heard of that you felt, yeah, like, that is exactly how I want to be? That's how For I sure. want people to feel the same way I'm feeling towards them. For sure. When I got, like, I ordered this VHS off on, like, a mail order thing. There was all Riot girl bands. And it was, like, from... I think most of the footage was from, like, a... Riot Girl Festival that happened in Olympia or mm-hmm. Centralia, Washington or something like yeah. this. And Heavens to Betsy played, which was like Sleater Kinney before Sleater Kinney. Yes. And just all these bands that I don't even know if they have records, but that was what really clicked with me. It was a really shitty VHS, yeah. like <laughs> from far away of these people performing with really bad sound. Yeah. You know, like... <laughs> I can look back on it and I'm like, it didn't sound good technically in some kind of mm. just uh, 
technical way, but mm-hmm. the spirit and everything was just so good. And it was cool because it felt to me like the same spirit of soul music that I loved, where mm-hmm. and girl group music. That was the stuff I really loved as a kid and Motown, like so much. But it was like the soul of that, but really making do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we don't have any money or technical ability yeah, or money for gear we can't just help yeah. it, like just like emit something mm. that's just like extra in existence yeah so it's funny because you you've also the, in in some of the things that i've read and you've mentioned crass as being oh, such a yeah, big influence sure. i had tim burgess from the charlatans on and he actually mentioned that that was so big for him as well and i it's cool it's so great that that because that really happens and i often don't broach the topic of influences because i find it so boxing to ask someone like who are you influenced by like mm-hmm. it could be the world yeah um and it is telling of course it's a great question but i love i want to talk about crass because i think that that's yeah. that's so great that that came up um and has come up because listening to your music and having that ethos and seeing I've seen you perform before mm-hmm. it's it makes so much sense you know yeah when did you find them I got into crass I think like either eighth grade or first mm. year of high school so you're 13 14 then yeah I had a like real punk boyfriend and I had one friend at my school who was a punk and I don't know which one of them turned me on to it first or if I saw crass imagery right at yeah. sh- uh, like on someone's back patch at a show and then I yeah. saw it in a mail order and then I ordered I don't know what the trajectory was but mm. I had the stations of the crass CD I think it was a double CD mm. and I like I just love them instantly. I, I think I, even if I had only seen the imagery before I heard them, I love them mm. already just from the imagery. Mm. Um, it was the first punk music I heard that had men and women in it. I think it was the first yeah, yeah. stuff with women I had heard. And I had heard Crass and this band Blatz at the same time, who okay. are a Bay Area band that were kind of the American pop punk mm. version of mm. Crass in a way. They had women and men in it in different singing styles mm. and but political but very yeah. humor based and mm. sassy. So I think I thought Crass was a contemporary band for a really long time. Yeah. Until I got a shirt that was Crass that was like Reagan and the Statue of Liberty oh and wow. Margaret Thatcher and someone else but with punk bodies. Yeah. And then I was like, this is oh, so not great. current. This is no. from old times <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And I cut the shirt off and turned it into a back patch. For that's sure. so great. And all the yeah. the collaging that the woman in Crass does, I, and I'm forgetting her name and I shouldn't because she's like one of my favorite artists. Yeah. Um, but she did a lot of all their artwork and mm-hmm. other people's artworks and for their albums and that stuff, the collage the realist collage mm. stuff really blew my mind mm. too yeah yeah and just like political lyrics in a catchy way mm. they're very catchy yeah I and that know. makes sense with chumbawamba you know what yeah. i mean you're like oh you're so smart like <laughs> you you just saw how fucked up everything was but you gotta live so you just like did this one hit and then that's <laughs> it and then you like lived you died that yeah. was it yeah but do you find especially broaching topics like 
um, gender and politics and those things that are like expected of us I always feel like especially for women you're always like meant to talk about all these things do you find that like you've had to speak and, and approach those topics a lot in the last few years of putting out no. albums and having to no because I think you do better if you don't talk about that yeah. stuff yeah I agree no, I don't think it's, it's there, I've never felt any pressure if yeah. any, I've felt pressured to think less about these things so. yeah no. So what are the things that matter for you? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, really. It, that, it changes every hour, I guess. Mm-hmm. For me, first and foremost, it's mental health exercise. Always has been. For If that's good or bad, I'm not sure. You know, it, I think it's good. Um, Why would it be bad? You mean relying on it as, as a tool? Or as an escape or something, okay. you know what I yeah. mean? I think that some people do it as a negative mental health. Yeah. Because you can do something for your mental health that, mm. like a security blanket's not necessarily a healthy thing to use. You know? you're sure, any crutch that you yeah, are reliant yeah. on that could easily have... Covers up other away. stuff. Sure, you know. of course. But being raw and being open is sometimes, yeah. of course, you can't do that as yeah, well. Yeah. So having sure. that balance. Yeah. And especially using something like art and like music as a blanket, I think is for sure. It's the best case thing. scenario. <laughs> You're best not case. using like beating someone up or guns exactly. or like yeah, yeah, or and like an eating disorder or something. Exactly, you know? yeah. Do do you find like music fuels you in the same way that it always has? As you are, because you obviously there's been so many different phases that you've been open to to putting your music out there now that this yeah. album came out I feel like you got so rightfully deserved attention mm-hmm. do you feel like your uh, opinion of it has shifted a little like maybe the industry of music yes mm-hmm. but like I think that I've realized that for me it's not just music it's like all mediums that of expression that is what I'm really interested in so mm-hmm. that hasn't been tainted at all but an industry of music is, mm. yeah. I, I can say without a doubt since working with 4AD is when it's shifted for me. And not like they did it or something. It's just they work in an echelon of the industry that is, mm. you know, it's yeah. a different ball game than working with Silt Breeze, which was who I worked with at the beginning, mm. which was, you know, it's kind of like, yeah it's hard to go from when your world operates on a handshake deal and a joke almost you know what I mean and then to be this other thing contracts and things like that yeah and just like a whole different ball game Mm. especially as a a, like someone who identifies as a female like it's just a different Mm. but you said there's different modes of expression Mm -hmm. do you feel like uh, what what other things are you do you turn to other than music um, to make sure that you are healthy and I read a lot I consume people's you know writers work in a, in an immense amount really <laughs> yeah and um, read read and a lot of theater and mm. do a lot of thinking about theater I try to see it when I can and when I can afford it. And yeah, it can get so expensive. I watch a lot of film and movies and things like that, mm. and listen to music. Obviously, always. Um, 
But yeah, and I just daydream a lot about doing other things. <laughs> yeah, I love that concept. I, I was thinking about it the other day, how like with our lives being so busy and so crazy all the time, yeah. I feel like we've forgotten how to just sit and daydream like we used to. For I feel sure. like when I was younger, I could just sit in the back of my dad's car and just like look out the window and yeah. daydream about things. Yeah. And that's so important. But weirdly, I know I don't know if we had press play yet, but weirdly... We were chatting also about like the travel aspect of mm-hmm. this job, and there is something about being suspended ten thousand feet or something in the sky that does give you that break to to daydream. You know, I used to feel that way about flying. Mm-hmm. I used to get on a plane and I would just fall asleep right away, yeah. and I would be kind of in a bliss state, a kind of in between no man's land. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel that way anymore. Mm-hmm. Like flying to me now is. It feels bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, just the experience of the airport. The, yeah. Like going through checkpoints yeah. at an airport and seeing how if you can just pay, you can kind of go, just through. go through. And mm. the incessant advertising and how mm. expensive everything is. And then, and the baggage shit where and it's uh, like the never... cost of that, where it's like mm. you're already paying so much for a ticket and yeah, and all the stuff. And then you get on the plane and then there's no food it's like you they'll maybe give food. you water, like, <laughs> but you're flying like so mm. long. And it's like, what if you can't afford the food in the mm. airport? And like, it's just, oh yeah. man. And then you're up in the air, and we, we were flying to LA the other day mm. to start this tour, and we looked out the window, and there was a plane, you know, when they're kind of coming on, mm. your, on your level, and you're like, fuck, is <laughs> it coming towards us in the air? Yeah. But yeah. they always miss because they have the geometry yeah. or whatever, algebra correct. Yeah. And you can see the chemtrails in the sky. When you're close to them, they're black. You yeah. know, they're black. Mm-hmm. It is, airplanes are just spewing yeah. these yeah. chemicals constantly into the air. And from the bottom, from the ground, they look mm. white because of however light reflects yeah. on those chemicals from where we are. So and that far like away, you're like, oh. <laughs> But when you're yeah. up close, they're black. Yeah. And that is hard. That is hard. Mm. And just the whole thing of just, you, maybe you shouldn't be able to get everywhere you want to go. Or maybe you shouldn't be able to have every fucking goddamn food you want to yeah. have at all times, you know? Like, yeah. We're on tour and we do, you know, like we go spend our money. You know, you go to Whole Foods, you're like, I'm going to Whole Foods because it seems like it's like the better thing to yeah, do or organic. something. You're know, like, <laughs> yeah. oh. but it's not. It's the same bullshit. Yeah, like, it's the they're same. serving, the pla- they got black plastic forks and like, you're just yeah. like, it's You'd all coming from off. far away anyway. And yeah. it's just like, we should just be buying from people that are growing nearby and mm-hmm. maybe for all winter you can only have sweet potatoes and I know, like and not cabbage have bananas and all like, year round. like there's always bananas I or know, like strawberries and I it know, doesn't make I any know. sense because outside the trees are losing their leaves and then you've got these bananas like always sitting in the shop in the supermarket it's too much but do you feel like do you feel like you tackle your own life like that you are very aware of what you're using and not using and I try but no it's mm. To, to really be able to be aware and act, I mean, you have to have money. I mean, it yeah. really does for us. Like, we can't buy all organic and yeah, we can't buy all local. Yeah. We just actually can't. And we'd like to. And we try to buy as much things that aren't packaged or buy bulk. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And, like, only buy, like, fish from Canada. And, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you try to do these things, but then it's, like, yeah. garlic. You know what I mean? Like, there's also the, like, where you have have to go. You know what I mean? It's, like, if you have to spend money mm. or drive really far to get mm. this stuff that's local garlic. Yeah. Is it, how does it weigh against just getting mm. the garlic that's from China that's at your grocery store that you can walk to? Yeah. I don't know, like, how What's the footprint all equals out in the end. So yeah. we no one can be perfect. And I think obviously going if you going, could grow yeah everything growing your everything own. yourself is yeah. but obviously we don't all live in climates where we can do that so that's no. also tough or don't have the skills or the space yeah or the, like where we live is on a really main drag in mm. Toronto and you're like what would it be like to grow food here because I clean my windowsills and they're black yeah. you know what I mean like is yeah. the food gonna be okay yeah with all this shit in the air I don't know like everything is that's the thing there's like Max was just telling me about this article that he saw that was like where they had never they're always um, doing research on the air outside mm-hmm. but they've never really done it on the inside of homes and things and it's oh my like gosh, it's terrifying it's it, like the worst thing yeah, you can imagine like a toaster is like putting all this particulate in the air that's so bad and like they did this experiment where they cooked like three Thanksgiving dinners oh in a house, God. and uh-huh. then like the word, the air was like worse than New Delhi. <laughs> oh my gosh! You, and you, that's not even all the off-gassing yeah. of plastics, you know. I always feel like everybody, especially because like fads are so great, especially with you know artists, they try. We all try and like um, reduce our carbon footprint. But as you said, it's so difficult when you need to just, you have to be at a show at a certain point of time and you need to get there. You can't just click a button. Europe, it's You easier. could not play. Yeah. But you, but then you're, you know, it's difficult because the number one thing, like there's many things driving climate change and where we live in, but mm-hmm. like with the american military like if unless that ends mm. none of this shit's gonna change mm. none of it yeah because the carbon footprint of the u.s military is so massive mm. that individuals could do all they want mm. and it won't really do much because of the what they continue to do <laughs> yeah the energy it takes for all the bases around the world to continue being air-conditioned lit F- the food the toilet paper the starbucks yeah. double shots and the red bull coming <laughs> in and the ambien and the fucking helicopters and the hummers yeah and, and when military are not in war they're doing exercises that are just for yeah. the hell of it to prepare for war because it's this incessant contract bidding and contract mm. war mm. that perpetuates this capitalist mm. shit that's just like it's we're drowning in it we're just but i i always feel like at, at, when when you think about all of that it just is so overwhelming sometimes and then i just kind of want to cocoon myself and then not want to come out because i feel completely helpless but I, i'm trying lately to feel that even like I used to get so upset with people like posting shit about like oh save the, the to sign this petition and do this but the truth is that you saying you should sign a petition is something more than Definitely. doing nothing 
do something. Do something. That's the thing. And I even think us it, speaking about it now yeah. is doing something. For sure. Whether irrespective of whether somebody listening is not doing anything, I feel yeah. like I hate feeling like I can't do enough, and I always feel like I'm not doing I just enough. Think, and it, you know? I think acknowledging things is insane. Yeah, acknowledging the truth is goes a long way. You yeah, know? there's nothing that I could ever do to make. America, like what the American experiment has mm. been, okay. Like, I could never say anything or do anything that could ever erase slavery and any contribution that, like, mm. I've contributed to it or any person in my family mm. before, you know. But I can say, yeah, I know what, what slavery is and I know yeah. what happened, and that's something. Mm. So I do think always do something, say something, have the conversation. Mm. But then know like it's all living is an exercise in frustration and it's yeah, also just I like know. a kind of weird thing where you're just like, I'm just doing this <laughs> and yeah. it's just gonna end at some point. Could be we walk out of here and I get hit by a car. You know what I mean? Well, like we don't is. know, but like yeah. you have to do I could it. have everything planned. I could have the rest of my life mm. planned. I could have children that are waiting mm. for me. I could have the whole thing, and it could yeah. just so. And we're also this one speck in a massive, massive, massive mm. thing that we don't we don't even know what what that is, mm. what space is, and and especially with music, I feel like people connect to it in such a way where it does bring that speck into perspective almost mm-hmm. it takes that speck and you're like oh i suddenly know who i am now because i always feel like when i was younger listening to music allowed me to figure out who i was you know yeah. i didn't know how to feel until i put a, a song on and then For i was sure. like oh that's i feel happy or yeah, like you know yeah. it like it dictated the emotions yeah and i feel like sometimes when you are feeling overwhelmed and you are that little speck sometimes reaching out to books and art and yeah. things like that helps you get it makes you present in the moment so it's Absolutely. mindfulness so you're just like time is gone and yeah. everything else is gone and you're in the moment and that's what life is supposed to be yeah not this planning for war yeah or planning for retirement or planning for whatever yeah. the next weekend out it's just a yeah. here and now and yeah because making music i can imagine and performing is a very present action you, yeah, you, yeah. you are almost, you cannot not be in the present. You absolutely have to be grounded in that. So yeah. do you feel like there's something about performing that you find, like what, because I'm, I'm not really used, I don't want to ask you like what the pre, what you do before a show, because of mm-hmm. course it can totally change. But like, especially like tonight, that's why I kept apologizing that we were talking after your show mm. because I don't know what anyone goes through. Like, what is your process for de, you know, kind of like a decompress after such a. I mean, it often high. doesn't really occur. Mm. <laughs> when you're traveling with eight or nine people and you're sleeping three to four people do a room often mm. and. The only time you're alone is when you're in the bathroom. Yeah. Like, <laughs> There's no luxury of the decompression. It's it's just a kind of pressure cooker kind of thing. Mm. So how do you make sure that you have time to yourself? I don't on tour. 
And you just have to accept it. I did when I toured alone. Mm. When I toured alone for many, many years and I traveled alone. I had a lot of alone time. That's why I liked it. Mm. I liked being on my own schedule and being alone at shows, performing and then being alone. Mm. Not really having anyone to... Maybe you talk to the promoter. Maybe you end up staying somewhere with someone that you could talk to a little bit. But mm. it's a whole different thing now. It's just a whole different thing. Yeah. So I, I have a lot of alone time when I'm at home. Yeah. And I have a very rich inner life. So even when I'm surrounded, I'm often alone. So yeah. I do. Uh, there's always alone time for yeah. me in that sense because... I speak a language that no one else does, so, <laughs> you know. Exactly. I'm always yeah. talking with myself and having yeah, the dialogue that I need to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and lastly, because I'm sure you want to go to bed, <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you make sure that going forward you can do this forever? How? What are the tools that you're in, putting in place now to make you keep continually being creative or yeah inspired. i don't think i want to do this forever <laughs> i'm doing right now no, i mean i like talking with you i yes. don't mean that i mean performing music yes. in this kind of way i'll have no problem being creative because it's the it's the very if i'm not doing it i'll be dead you know like it really has been my my reason for living mm. it's been my really my sustenance and all of that if I stopped making stuff, there would be something wrong. Or it would be I had gone to a whole nother plane yes. where I'm, like, existing <laughs> on air and, like, yeah. I'm, Absolutely. I'm better. I'm yeah. doing better than I would yeah. have ever been doing making things. But for me, it's reading. Mm. Reading is the thing that just guarantees that I'm going to have um, continue having creative and critical thoughts and like for sure reading is just what are you reading at the moment right now i'm reading this one book that is a um equate uh basically equating maps and Mm -hmm. fiction writing so like um it's crazy and i I got it at a thrift store in new mexico and it's because rebecca solnit has a quote on the back (laughs) and she's like i wish i had written this book and i was like okay (laughs) yeah i'll try that because i haven't read all she's written Mm -hmm. but like She's a, she's a smart cookie. So yeah, um, I just it was two bucks, so I got it, and it's incredible. So like, it's a bear. I couldn't, I couldn't even begin to explain mm. what it's all about. Yeah, some of the things are like how a map influences what you then think of what you're seeing or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. how yeah, what you good. leave out is as important as what you put in. Yeah, and that's how fiction is, and it's, well, it's like well building you building that world absolutely yeah, yeah. so oh, that's it's so wonderful it's a really good book so i'm reading that i also got another book that i got at that same thrift store that was a novel written in 1980 put out in 1985 by mm-hmm. a woman from maine it seemed to be her first novel i don't know if it was her only one i can't remember her name but it's called the beans of egypt maine so there's a town called egypt maine yeah and it's about these this family called the beans and it's incredible. Oh, that's so great. It's like some of the best fiction I've read in a while. Yeah. With really a lot of uh, capitalization and dialogue where it's like people kind of yelling. Yeah. It's really cool. Wow. And I had a blast reading it. And it's mostly female characters mm. and they're really 
strong and messy and good, yeah. So, yeah oh that's wonderful and mm-hmm. i love that you just found that like <laughs> yeah. a little treasure trove i hit the it? jackpot in <laughs> los cruces <laughs> new mexico i also got a like history of criminal justice and two books that were like volume one and two mm. called her life and her work or something which is female writers compiling like essays from them about their work do you often tend to go toward uh female writers yeah i mean yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it's just like yeah i i tend to want ideally most of the things i like to consume are made by women Mm, that's to go with food and everything (laughs) yeah yeah, and it's not a prejudice thing, and I think men are equally can make wonderful things and stuff. It's just like a, I don't know, just a natural safety, comfort, yeah. trust, relatability, r- relatability, respect, <laughs> instant respect. You know, absolutely. Like, I just trust a woman over a man any day. Yeah, hundred percent. I yeah. agree. I think we should end off. On that. <laughs> That's a great point. Thank Sounds you so good. much for, Thank for you. being on the show. This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kibble and we'd like to thank Billy Yost and The Kickback for our theme song, Rube, and buy their music at thekickbackband.com, Lexi Frame for the artwork, Daniel Brater and Dean Berger for the additional sound design, and The Consequence Podcast Network where you'll find a bunch of other amazing shows. listened this far why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too for information on new episodes be sure to follow us on facebook twitter or instagram at tmbtgpod and generally just irritate everyone you know about the show thanks again and i miss you already Consequence Podcast Network.